You're listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. Every week, people from all over the Central Valley visit Gravity Church and experience an encounter with God. This podcast is from our July 3rd meeting. Jason talks about Peter and what it's like to regret. So how are you guys feeling tonight? Hey, Bill, how are you, brother? Do you need those? You just take, that's fine. Just take what you want. If any of you guys want anything, you just help yourself around here. That's kind of the way it works, so. We got a couple announcements for you guys tonight. Um, uh, tonight, after we get done here, um, we've got ice cream sundaes and all kinds of stuff for free. Just hang out and indulge and have a good time with each other. Um, talk to somebody, hear somebody's story, spend a few minutes as you're uh, gorging on the free stuff and uh, get to know somebody. That's the first announcement. Second announcement is um, we have two things that are going on that we need your help with. Those of you that are around here know that every Tuesday night we go to Lawrence Park and we feed the homeless community and we participate in a community church service. We call it Church in the Park, and for many of us, it's become kind of a real highlight for our week and for our lives just to be able to um, meet people, love on people, and get to hear their stories and build friendships in the park. And um, this uh, next Tuesday, not this week, but the following week, is our turn to provide the meal, and we are going to be barbecuing hot dogs out there, and so we need donations. We need hot dogs, and we need um, miscellaneous stuff. We've made it really simple for you, so you don't have to remember anything, except to go to the back table and pick up one of these little cards. And on these cards, it has an item for you to donate, like the one I got is barbecue sauce. So pick one of these up on the way out, and then this will be a reminder to to pick something up for us. Bring it next Saturday so we can store it, and then we'll be good to go the following Tuesday. Uh, If you have any questions, just talk to me, talk to Vince, talk to Shauna, talk to Dustin. Just talk to anybody that kind of looks like they have a clue which doesn't look like very few, many of us, but church in the park, grab a thing. And then the other thing is we'll be giving you some more info. Uh, this month and next month, our, our cause of the month that we kind of pool our resources to help is going to be, um, we're going to be collecting goods for students that are going back to school for some needy families, backpacks, um, pencils, paper, school supplies. So in the next coming weeks, we'll be giving you kind of a shopping list of ways that you can pick some extra stuff up and uh, contribute to some kids that are getting ready to start school again. So let's pray. God, tonight, we open up our hearts to you. We have already experienced your presence in worship and through singing and, and have experienced something that's just amazing. And Lord, tonight, as we open your word, we pray that you would continue to speak to us, and we pray that you would continue to show us who you are in a really personal way. So right now, Lord, we choose to engage with you and ask that you would show us who you are. And we pray this because of Jesus. Amen. The last several weeks, we have been talking about this concept of what it is to be a disciple of Christ. We have been talking and and dialoguing and investigating scripture about all of the different things that happen in the life of a person when they encounter Christ and they begin to enter into this discipleship relationship. We have learned that in order to be a disciple of Christ, it literally means that you become a pupil of him. 
You become a student of him, a follower of him, and you engage your life in a pursuit of learning the ways of Jesus. And so as we've been talking about what does that look like and how does that affect my life and what are the different ways, we've pulled out all kinds of different parables and stories and encounters of Jesus with real-life individuals. And we've, we've looked at the way that their lives intersected and what the results were. We've learned about what fruit looks like. We've talked about what it is to hear God's voice, learning how to follow after Christ and to, to live our life in a way to where he leads and we follow. Last week, we talked about the way that God reveals himself to us and how intimate and how personal it is and how throughout ages, we as humans have developed this concept that God is far away. He's distant. And as a result, we didn't feel that we could get close to him. We looked at the story in, in the book of Exodus where God led the children of Israel by a, cloud of, of, by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night and how they could literally see a tangible sign of God's presence to know that he was leading them. But it was so impersonal. It was so far away. They knew God was real. They knew he was there, but he was there. He wasn't here. And so then we talked about how amazing it was for Jesus to show up on the scene. And we talked about how he encountered these disciples and he had this guy named Peter. And we started looking at Peter's life a little bit and about how this one encounter he has with Jesus. Jesus asked the amazing question, who do you say that I am? And God reveals to Peter in that moment that Jesus truly was the Messiah, the Christ, the one that had been spoken of for generations to come and that God was no longer far away, some distant cloud in the sky, but God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, was literally sitting right in front of them. And all of their preconceived ideas were shattered. God wanted to be close to them. They were blown away. And so as we look at this guy's Peter, Peter, a little bit more, we look in, in Scripture and we find that Peter had quite a history with Jesus. He was very close to Jesus. He was, if you and I were to call him one of the inner circle, this is one of Obama's key guys, okay? This is one of the dudes that's in decision-making. He knows what's happening behind the scenes. When Jesus goes places, Peter's right there with him. Peter's one of the guys that knows Jesus well. Peter thinks he knows Jesus so well that one day they're having this interaction and Jesus begins to lay out something for his disciples that Peter just couldn't understand. Jesus begins to literally say, I'm going to leave you guys. In order for God, our Father, to accomplish his purpose, I have to go away. And I have to lay down my life and I have to actually die. And Peter's like not okay with this talk at all. Peter's actually arguing with Jesus. He's actually rebuking Jesus, and he's saying, Jesus, this is crazy talk. You can't talk like this, and I don't think you understand what is really at stake here. And they begin to have this dialogue, and in the course of this dialogue, Peter says some strong things to Jesus to prove his faith and to prove his loyalty. And one of the things he says to Jesus in this dialogue is he looks at Jesus, he says, Jesus, I would die for you. I would die for you, Jesus. That's how much I love you. That's how much I'm committed to the cause. I would die for you. And you know what Jesus says to him? Jesus says, really, Peter? You're going to die for me? 
He says, Peter, I'm going to tell you something about yourself. Before the sun rises tomorrow, before the sun rises tomorrow and the rooster crows at dawn, you will have disowned me. You will have denied that you even knew who I was three different times. What? How's that for an interaction with the guy that you're just, you know, pleading your case? Jesus, I'm your man. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. So I want us to look at a passage of scripture that picks up during that same night. Would you look with me at Luke chapter 22? Starting in verse 54. It says, so they arrested Jesus and they led him to the high priest's residence. And Peter was following far behind. The guards, they lit a fire in the courtyard and they sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed Peter in the firelight and began staring at him. She finally said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. Peter denied it. He said, woman, I don't even know the man. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, someone else insisted. This must be one of Jesus' disciples because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as he said these words, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter left the courtyard crying bitterly. Jesus called it, didn't he? He called it. He said, you think that you're in a place, you're willing to die for me, and you don't realize that you're only hours away from saying you don't even know who I am. Have you ever said or done something that you wish you could take back? Regret's a heavy thing to carry around, isn't it? The feeling of, I really screwed up this time. The feeling of, I wish I could just put those words back in my mouth. Regret. It's heavy. This last week I had many, many conversations with different people that talked about the regrets that they had in their lives. I heard things spoken like, I haven't seen my kids in five years. And they weren't saying it from a standpoint of pride. Can you guys hear me? Does anybody know where the main breaker's at? I think it's up there. If somebody... Uh... I keep telling you guys, every Saturday night, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> well, you guys are in for a treat because this part won't be on the video. 
So as I was talking to these guys this last week, I was hearing things coming from their hearts like, I wish I could see my kids or I wish I could be reunited with the family that I've lost. Talked about jobs that they had lost that weren't just because of the economy, but they were because of the things that they had done in their life that had cost them their jobs. Heavy regret. It's talking to some people who were right in the middle of their addiction, talking through their, their process of being in a place in their life where they're coming to terms and coming to, the, coming to grips with the decisions that they have made and the ramifications of those decisions. It's a heavy thing to have regret. It's a heavy thing to be in that place in your life where you, you absolutely know that the things that you've done have cost you something. And in Peter's life, as we just read this, this story of this man going through this horrible situation where he literally denied Jesus, Peter begins to have to wrestle through these feelings and these emotions and the ramifications of what he has done. Listen to what this says. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb where Jesus' body was. And at the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple got there first, and he stooped and he looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived, and he went inside. And he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and laying to the side. The other disciple also went in and he saw and he believed. Listen to these words. Because until then, they hadn't realized that the scripture said that Jesus would rise from the dead. It says that they went to the tomb where Jesus' dead body had been placed. They had gone through the death of Jesus. I want you to understand this. I know we've had some unordinary distractions here for a minute. But I want you to understand where Peter's head is at. Because he had gone through this encounter with Jesus where Jesus literally says to him, Peter, you're going to deny that you even know me. And hours later, Peter does that very thing. And then Peter has to watch Jesus die. Jesus and Peter didn't have a chance to patch things up. They didn't have a chance for Peter to say, Jesus, I, I'm sorry, I, I blew it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get it. Jesus was arrested, taken away, and he was murdered. And Peter had to live with the weight of what he had done. 
he had to live with the weight that this man that he had been following for the last two to three years of his life, the last words that he spoke to Jesus were looking across the courtyard saying, I don't even know him. That's heavy. That's heavy. And so Peter comes to this this cave where they had in those days placed dead bodies and he goes into this cave and all of a sudden there's no body. Jesus is dead. He was dead, but now he's, he's gone. This is the thing. The scriptures say that when he walked in and he saw it, it was the first time that he realized that Jesus actually was going to rise from the dead. They didn't know it was going to happen. Even though Jesus said it, Peter did not understand in his head that it was really going to happen. And in that moment, Peter had that hopeless feeling of, I have gone too far. I've gone so far that I can't undo this. And it all hinged on this reality that Peter didn't get it when he was with Jesus. Have you ever been in those moments where you look back over your life and you go, I really wish I knew then what I know now. I had, I had what I thought was going to be a half an hour coffee with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in 10 years today. Four and a half hours later, we were still talking all we were past the caffeine jitters of, you know, seven cups of coffee, and now we were, like, going, going down for a nap. I mean, it was way too long, and we're just like, the stories that we shared all had one theme. Ten years ago, when I saw you the last time, I really wish I knew then what we know now sitting here talking today about what's happened the last ten years of our life. And Peter is going through those same feelings and you got to know that Peter is replaying in his head all of the conversations that he had with Jesus. You've got to know that he is going back going, why didn't I think about this? How did I miss the fact that Jesus was going to rise from the dead? How did I miss this monumental fact in all of our conversations? How did I miss when Jesus said, prophecy says that I'm going to be dead for three days, but three days later I'll be, re- I'll be back to life. And, and Peter's just like, how did I miss all of this? See, when you and I have a relationship with God, this is critical. Many times I have found that I come to God and I think about my relationship with God based upon the resources and the abilities that I have to offer. In other words, I think, God, I'm facing this situation in my life. I don't have enough money to pay the bills. Well, if I had more money than everything would be fine. And my mindset instantly goes to, how do I get more money? And everything will be fine. I fail to realize that on this side of the equation is God who has unlimited resources and has the ability to do so much and so much more than I can possibly even dream up or imagine, but I don't even understand the resources that he has to offer. And so I completely cut off this side of the relationship and I'm looking at everything from my small, puny, fragile, little, unresourced perspective. And I'm looking at my problems, I'm just going, they're so huge, I can't figure out how this possibly can work out only to recognize that on the other side of the relationship, though I am 
weak and I'm poor and I'm broken, on the other side, I realize that Jesus is strong. Jesus is able. He's rich. He, is, he has everything and he is whole. And he has everything that this relationship requires to be able to go forward and accomplish what God intends to accomplish. And when Peter is in this moment in his life of feeling these hopeless feelings, he's got to be saying, I thought I had it all figured out. From my perspective, I really thought that Jesus shouldn't have died. From my perspective, I really thought that Jesus should have done things the way that the political system says he should have done it. From my perspective, I thought I knew how the Messiah was supposed to act and happen, and it didn't do anything like I thought it was supposed to happen. And what am I supposed to do now? And at the core of all of this, Peter comes to the crux of it, which is, Jesus, I would die for you. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny you even know me. Do you realize that in that instant, Though Peter may have been saying with words, support, what Peter was really saying through his actions and through his life, I am self-focused rather than God-focused. I am focusing on my perspective. I am focused on the way that I see things. I am focused on the way that I think things should be. And I am not focused on the way that God says that they should be. I am not focused on what God is wanting for me to see in this relationship and this equation. And so Peter comes to this place where he is without hope in a lot of ways because of what he's done. And the story doesn't end there. And many of you that know this story know that it has a happy ending. After Jesus reveals himself to them, there comes an opportunity when Jesus gets to talk face-to-face to to Simon Peter again. And this is what it says. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question again. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. He goes on in this conversation to talk about Peter's future. He goes on to talk prophetically about the kind of death that that Peter would die. And he goes on to, to really show Peter how big he really is and how much he really knows. But in that moment, with those three simple questions, do you know what Peter and Jesus were straightening out between them? Peter was realizing that in order for his hope to be restored, it lied in the fact that he had to take his eyes off of himself and he had to put them on others. 
Jesus said, do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know I love you. Take your eyes off of yourself. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of others. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then give yourself away. Give yourself away. It's not about you, Peter. It's not about you. It's not about your self-focused life. It's about something greater. Give yourself to others, and your hope will be restored. Do you realize that the remedy for dealing with regret in our life is hope? When we are without hope, we are literally without a future. When we are without hope, there is nothing for us even to look to. My God is a God of hope. Listen to what it says in Psalms 25. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me to your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Say this last words with me. All day long, I put my hope in you. All day long, I put my hope in you. All day long, I am coming to a place where I realize that it is not a self-focused journey that leads to regret, that leads to everything that we see in the life of Peter. But it is all about looking outwardly. It is all about giving ourselves to God. It is all about giving ourselves to others. And it is all about following Jesus and being a student, a pupil, a disciple of him. And as the psalmist writes, all day long, I put my hope in him. Because my hope is something that it is so important and it is so necessary and it is so valuable to me. Because how many of you know that there are a million different ways, a hundred times a day, to have your hope dashed? To have somebody steal your hope that all day long I've got to say, God, I put my hope in you. I don't put my hope in what I see. I don't put my hope in what I hear. I don't put my hope in all of the things that are overwhelming me right now. I don't put my hope in even thinking that I've got a cure for the stress in my life. God, I put my hope in you all day stinking long. I gotta put my hope in you because you're the only constant that I know changes not. My hope is in you. Let's pray. I'm gonna have the band come up and we're gonna worship some more. God, tonight we come to you. As we, as we do, God, denying ourselves and embracing you. God, we come to you tonight with the awareness that left to our own devices and left to our own ways, God, we find ourselves empty and lacking. But God, when we come to you, we find hope. We find what we're looking for because what we're looking for is not an event. What we're looking for is not a change in circumstances. What we're looking for is you. 
So Jesus, tonight, as we come to you, we pray that you would meet us. Jesus, tonight, as we come to these tables for communion, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would talk to us, Lord, that you would fill us with your voice, you'd fill our hearts with your hope, that you'd give us what we need, Lord. And so, Jesus, tonight, meet us. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.